With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome everyone to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet and welcome to ESSR Central WrestleMania special here guys. It's our first show after WrestleMania so of course we've got to have a return and a debut. Making his return to ESSR Central is David Hockney. Hello Ross. Alright man. And making his debut on Central for the first time is Derek Kernan. Derek how are you? Alright Ross how are you? Feels like you're breaking my VL all over again mate. <laughs> <laughs> We said we wouldn't talk about shugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun times. Yeah, happy to um, boys and talk to you. Good, good, man. Uh, we are going to just specify at the start, guys, as a WrestleMania Central, I know there's been other things going on in the wrestling, wor- wrestling world, and I know we usually talk about everything, but when WrestleMania is on, WrestleMania takes precedent. I think we all know how this this business works. So... We'll mostly be touching on that and touching on a wee bit of NXT TakeOver. Uh, but before we get to all that, the usual, eat, sleep, suplex, retweet, at suplex, retweet, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. It's a social media site. We're probably on there. Tinder, Grinder, whatever you want. We're there. <laughs> the ESSR Tinder Mania has not been running on. wild for a while, so I'm not sure about Tinder. <laughs> The ESSR or Bumble then the ESSR community <laughs> group. Uh, you can join in the conversation there. We've got a lot of comments for our listeners, which we'll get to later on. And of course, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on Spotify, iTunes, Android, and Anchor. You can find us anywhere there's good podcasting sites. If we're not there, maybe move on. But we'll open up, uh, David, with NXT Takeover Stand and Deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kept saying when we were doing the streams and when we were doing Central, I kept calling it WrestleMania weekend, but it's it's gotten so big this year that it's WrestleMania week. It's mm-hmm. um, a two-night takeover, and we'll, we'll quickly skim through the results of night one. So night one, you had Bronson Reed winning the number one contendership. You had MSK finally getting their hands on the tag team titles, and it, what was... Uh, an absolute standout match of the night here. And, of course, we had... If my thing will actually bloody load. <laughs> Are you talking about the, the main event? No, no, no. I'm just I'm running through the card quickly. So Zoe Stark defeating Tony Storm on the pre-show. Big win for her. Pete Dunne defeating Kushida and what that could mean for the Cruiserweight division going forward. Bronson Reed winning the Gauntlet Eliminator. Walter defending his UK title in an absolute barn burner against Tommaso Ciampa. MSK defeating the Grizzled Young Bets and Legado del Fantasma. And the main event, uh, possibly the most well-built female superstar in NXT since Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez, with only two losses since War Games, both when she wasn't pinned, taking the title from Io Shirai. David, what are your thoughts on the Raquel Gonzalez character and what do you think this means for both women going forward? 
to be honest, I've fallen in love with Raquel Gonzalez now. Like she has been <laughs> so incredibly impressive over the last few months, ever since War Games, uh, when she originally pinned Dio. I always had had my eye on her, thinking, right, she's gonna go, she's gonna go places in NXT. She might even be the one to defeat Io. And lo and behold, you know, she was the one to do it during WrestleMania week as well. Like if that isn't a a stamp of approval from Triple H and the folks in the back, I don't know what is. Like she has redefined, like, like she's raised the bar almost when it comes to to female wrestling. Because normally you get a lot of high flyers and strikers such as like Asuka and Io Shirai, but Raquel Gonzalez has just taken it that step further and is now a full-blown sort of diesel-esque powerhouse like even she referred to herself as as big mammy cool as well so <laughs> kel gonzalez is the next stage of the development in the nxt women's division and i like to think you know post takeover and even maybe even during takeover itself she was acting as sort of a pseudo face character in a way like she wasn't displaying very heelish tactics she didn't have uh heelish mannerisms in fact you know, she she even declared she had a ton of respect for Io Shirai on this week's uh, NXT on a Tuesday. So, fair play to Io Shirai. You know, she's a very a very lengthy lane, but you know, this is Raquel Gonzalez's time, and I hope that she has a very lengthy title reign. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, uh, Derek, you're not usually a a big NXT guy. You've you've only watched uh, the two matches from uh, that main event night two. But Dave pointed towards the fact that Raquel Gonzalez had been built as sort of a diesel character, the bodyguard who then became the main eventer. Do you think that's something that certainly a Triple H, an old school wrestling mind, he's bringing back effectively? Because Vince McMahon for years has not been able to book a good big guy, whereas in the space of just under a year, just over a year, sorry, this big woman is now the women's champion. It's classic, you know, like storyline telling as well, when you have someone who is like a bodyguard, even if you look back, maybe not the stature, but like, you know, as a diesel, but like look at Virgil with the million dollar man, you know, that was yeah. the sort of same, the same situation. And it's, it is great storytelling and it's, it's quite easy storytelling as well. We do, you know, you put these two together and then, you know, someone's going to, one of them's going to explode and then it's, it works out a match and it's a great storyline as well and it gets fans invested in it as well. So it's it's, it's fantastic as far as I think it, um, from my opinion. Yeah, yeah David, uh, Derek mentioned obviously uh, Virgil and the Million Dollar Man, the 21st century version of that was uh, Sandow and Midsdow. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is quite a, it's quite a good thing. I think we might see a Dakota Kai feud going forward for Raquel Gonzalez because you can always have the the bodyguard overtakes expectations mm-hmm. person she was bodyguard and gets jealous or you can have the Virgil uh, Damien Sandow where they say you know what stick your job up your backside Aye. I'm going to become my own man I mean it writes itself and you know it's an old habit or an old formula that WWE refers to but at the moment there doesn't seem to be any indication that you know Raquel could face Dakota at some point because obviously mm-hmm. you know there was the introduction of Frankie Monet uh, aka Taya Valkyrie and then you've also got Mercedes Martinez calling out Raquel as well so she's she's no short of challengers at this point but what I'm genuinely like I wouldn't say pleased about but intrigued about is Dakota Kai was penned as the NXT future star like she won the award i think it was in 20 
it was either last year or the year before. It's like she was penned as the future star, but then in comes Raquel Gonzalez to act as her insurance policy, and she's practically overtook her in this within yeah. the space of a year. Like that's the storytelling I'm most interested in right now. Can I see a Dakota feud down the line? Definitely. The only issue is I don't really know when because it doesn't seem to be pointing that direction at any time soon. Yeah, well, we'll need to start tuning in NXT on a Tuesday now. Obviously, the first one last night. We won't spoil anything that's uh, on there, but go give a watch. It was a great show. Uh, we move on to night two. Uh, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick defeating Breezango for a number one contendership match. Uh, Santos Escobar becomes the undisputed cruiserweight champion, defeating Gordon Dev- uh, Gordon Jordan Devlin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's Gordon and that's Jordan <laughs> from Bray County. Ember <laughs> uh, Moon and Shotzi defeated the way uh, to retain the women's tag titles. Uh, Johnny Gargano, three- David, this is a wee point. Johnny Gargano used to be, you know, sort of Shawn Michaels constantly lost at TakeOver and mm-hmm. matched the night. He's won three TakeOver matches in a row now. Yeah, obviously... Um... This, this heel persona has definitely given him some momentum and his association with the way is probably uh, helping him out as, a lot as well. And that's probably the way uh-huh, uh-huh, he likes it. Oh, for... <laughs> <laughs> and... Had to get in there. Don't bring that up. Uh, <laughs> the, two, the, the double main event for that night, uh, night two, carrying cross with uh, Scarlett defeating Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. David, you and I... Um, along with Ryan and Scott, discussed how would they go about this? Would they have Carrion won the title back that he never lost and maybe just have a reboot of the character after his injury in the summer? Or the fact that Balor stepped in and did such a good job and has had match of the year candidates with Dunn and uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, that would they maybe just keep running with him? Simplest answer was Carrion Cross does get the belt. What do you think this means for NXT going forward and how long do you see Carrion holding the main title? See, this is, uh, I think this is where they're finally picking up where they should have left off after TakeOver 30 when he defeated Keith Lee the first time, but obviously had to relinquish the next day due to a separated shoulder. And Cross has been away for a good while. And I think in some essence, they did have to sort of fill the time until he came back, but they did it so well with Finn Balor, you know, having him sort of draw with Adam Cole in the Iron Man match and then going on this lengthy run as the prince. Someone who's not necessarily a face or a heel, he just says, like, watch me because I am the best that NXT has to offer. And he did a fantastic job, you know, main eventing multiple multiple takeover style events with Kyle O'Reilly and a great match with Adam Cole. But I think in this instance, you know, Karrion Cross gets to maintain his undefeated singles run and, you know, they're, they're finally picking up where they left off with him. And I think he has the potential to maybe not match Adam Cole's 403-day title reign, but I think he's going to come pretty damn close because he's come across as, a, as an unstoppable machine. But there is something I did notice in that TakeOver match is that, uh, and Balor pointed this out as well, when Cross lets, him, lets his emotions take over, you know, when he gets blinded with anger and rage that's when he starts making mistakes and it was picked up throughout the match itself uh, but it wasn't until you know cross had that saito suplex and then the elbow to the back of the head that's that was the exclamation point but at one point you sort of felt like he could go either way so it was by no means a squash match this was actually a very 
very competitive match between two brilliant competitors. But with the story with they're going with Cross, I think it's probably the right thing they they could have done. Yeah, and Derek, was this your first time watching a like a carrying cross match or first time seeing the character? It's the first time I've watched a, a full match of his. I've seen like highlights and stuff of that, Ross, because like I said, I've I've I'm I'm not much an NXT guy. However, after watching that match and um the 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 match um after this the Adam Cole and O'Reilly match, I'm pretty much going to give myself I think everybody's there's a few people that say to me you need to watch and stuff like that. And I don't know why I haven't. It's just probably just laziness on my part, but I'm definitely going to be giving it a watch NXT in the future now. Um Finn Balor is fantastic. I love him. I think he's a great, great wrestler. Any match of his, I would, I would watch. Um, he puts it on. Um, and Cross, I was, I was surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised by him because I've, I've seen some of the clips and stuff like that and how, obviously, I'm, I'm aware that he lost his, he lost the belt before, like Dave said there, um, and this was him coming back in. And then some points during the match, I was like, like Dave said, this can go either way. And I thought it was going to go either way. Um, I wasn't really, I didn't have a a straight answer on where it was going and who was getting it and um, who was going to win the title. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do now with both characters, I guess, in terms of Balor as well. Where's he going to pick from this now? I guess Finn Balor sort of like one of the guys where he doesn't need the belt to define him or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, he's pretty he's pretty flexible. He can put on a good match with anybody. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. And then also, um, you know, the, the sort of cross period now is coming in and just to see how dominant he is. And NXT as well is going to be really interesting and good to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, Dave, I was thinking myself, it put me in the mind of a Shayna Baszler style run where, mm-hmm. you know, you've got MSK with the tag titles that can put on great matches. You've got Johnny Gargano with the North American and then your two world titles in the men in the women's division is just two big people that could knock lumps at you. Like, it's proper old school ladies. Yeah. I will knock lumps at you. I don't care how quick I win this match. Um, yeah. Like, at the moment, NXT's ticking all the boxes right now, even with the, the women's tag team championship. Because you think, you know, we always say that the NXT women's division is the best in the wrestling industry. Like, it doesn't matter what promotion it is. Uh, but for, for, for them to be able to introduce an NXT women's tag title because their division is that stacked... Like, you just know things are looking up for NXT finally now that, you know, WrestleMania week has come and gone and now they can start afresh with a new start on Tuesdays, a whole batch of new champions and plenty of story storylines going forward. I'm excited for what NXT has to offer in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing we're also not sure of, Dave, and I know this is going to be a hard one for you to get through. So if Unity, you know... Mm. You, you, Mm. Do you need to get the Kleenexes? Not in that way. Not in that way. <laughs> you need to get the Kleenexes. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, where are you going with this? <laughs> you need this? to get the Kleenexes or maybe take a moment to yourself. Hands where I can see them is what oh, I'm going to say. Gosh. But, you know, um, the destruction of the Undisputed Era. Um, mm. A great non-sanctioned match uh, with Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. This is one of those matches that you would have loved a proper WrestleMania weekend takeover crowd at. The crowd and the CWC did their job. They did fine, but that was just that was a match that deserved that that match deserved a sold out stadium full mm-hmm. of rabid wrestling fans. That was an amazing match. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are no strangers to each other. They've competed in in New Japan. They've competed in Ring of Honor, and 
you know, they always hit the right notes when they're facing each other. So there was no doubt in my mind that this was going to be a very brutal match with two guys that have amazing chemistry with each other. But what I I was going into this knowing that they had some really massive shoes to fill with the Gargano Champa unsanctioned match in New Orleans because that was going to be a difficult match to talk. But this one came pretty damn close given the brutality and the creativity with all the weapons, in particular how they used uh, they used the chain where they wrapped it around the top rope and they were using all sorts of creative holds. And even I think at one point he just pulled it up and it was a, it almost acted like a, a clothesline almost. Uh, there was the brain buster on the steel stairs. Uh, the, the takedown through the stage. That was a, a hell of a moment. Like where was, uh, where was Mauro when you needed him? Like that was a proper mama Mia moment right there. Uh, but besides of the brutality, there was some incredible storytelling behind it. You know, Adam Cole just getting right in Kyle's face, like, I hate you, you mean nothing to me, that kind of thing. And it wasn't until right at the end where you think this could, either Kyle's going to pass out from this or, and he just sort of rolls his shoulder up at the last second. That's when you knew he was absolutely gubbed. But that bit, that spot at the end where he did the knee with the chain around his leg uh, on a pointed up chair, and Adam Cole afterwards is acting like he's just suffering from rigor mortis. That that just highlighted the sheer brutality of it. So, I mean, it, it was a, a very difficult watch knowing that, you know, I think it's clear enough for everybody to see that I am a massive Undisputed Era fan. And just to see these two guys going at it, it was it was nothing short of brutal, brutal magic. That's the way I'll describe it. Brutal magic's the way David describes it. Uh, Derek, how would you describe it? David Hockney has seen the breakup of the Undisputed Era like I seen the breakup of the Rockers. Absolutely devastating. <laughs> so I understand where you're coming from. And if I had a hat, I'd tip it to you, sir. Um, passing my condolences on because um, lots of a great, <laughs> a great division in there. But it was like I like like I said before, I I watched the match. However, I'm not I'm, I'm not invested in it. I wasn't invested in NXT. However, you can see the storytelling. Mm-hmm. From the start of it, the way that those two those two wrestlers were, the way that Cole and O'Reilly were with each other, um, obviously the you can tell they've got great chemistry together, like Dave said, um, and it was absolutely it was it was brutal, and it was a it was a great wrestling match. It was one of those ones like you said, Ross. If you were there, you would have been like it's it's one you would talk about for a you know for for years and years. Saying I was there when this happened, and it was it was it was brilliant. I loved it, and let's like say that's probably. Let's say one of the reasons why I will watch NXT in the future. One other thing I will add is I'm actually kind of glad this match went on last because I wasn't too sure if they were going to go with this or the NXT title match as the main event. But the unsanctioned match going 40 minutes and it going on last, I think was the right call because if the NXT title had to follow that, the audience would have just been absolutely gubbed. And so I think in a way it sort of saved the NXT title match by going on on last. And we know how... um, you know, learning from Gargano Champa, a real, an extremely personal, unsanctioned match is always a good way to end a takeover. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, sometimes it doesn't have to be the main event that goes on last. So the main question is, where do we go from here? Obviously, with the Undisputed Era, Roddy Strong's left NXT. You've got Kyle O'Reilly got, coming off this big win. You've got Adam Cole looking to rebuild. Where's Bobby Fish? You know what I mean? Where, where's Bobby? Um, <laughs> where's Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know... So much more to talk about. So yeah, I can hundred percent see why this is a good time to get into NXT, uh, Derek. But we'll talk about WrestleMania, and 
Derek, you know, Raw After Mania has always been a thing. Uh, Smackdown before Mania now becomes a thing. The one WrestleMania we watched together, WrestleMania 35, Gary and Stephen both joked with me that it's not WrestleMania until Derek falls asleep. Yep, 100%. <laughs> uh, 100%. Do you feel that, do you feel that uh, it, WrestleMania sort of stretching across four days now and evenly spread out, none of this up to 7am nonsense, do you think that would be better going forward or are you a, a one night one night of the year but it's WrestleMania sort of guy? Um. I'm I'm lucky enough to stay awake during one night yet, Ross. Never mind four nights yet. So, um, I think having it as the <laughs> one, <laughs> the, I I I I think I would prefer it back to 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 one night. I do understand why it went over the the four nights this time due to the you know the pandemic and the situation that we're facing out there in the big bad world now. And I did enjoy it. Um, however, if I had to have everything, I would rather have it all on the one night, spending two nights with Stephen Wilson's bad enough. So spending <laughs> just doing the one night with him would be would be would be definitely be the way forward, I think. Um I definitely. I mean, David, I mean I think Derek's been a bit dismissive there considering <laughs> where else would you get two nights of Tamina Snooker? Yay. <laughs> we all love Big Tam. But you know, but I appreciate where Derek's coming from, but uh I'm respectively gonna have to disagree because like a solo marathon night, I mean, it is a lot of effort to put in, uh, particularly for UK viewers as, you know, you know, the time difference sort of messes us up. So having it over two nights does take a little bit of pressure off. And it's sort of, I think it, in a way, it kind of like allows you to sort of balance it out more rather than trying to just cram it all in one go because there'll be too much to take in and you'll be burnt out by the end of the night. So and we've talked about weekend shows before, like, you know, we do it with Shug's uh, House Party, ICW, we do it for the for Fear and Loathing. And in both instances, it actually works well because it constitutes a weekend out as opposed to just one night. So, yeah, definitely pros and cons to it. But me personally, I think the weekenders uh, definitely favour doing it all in one go. I think from a commercial point of view, the two-nighters works out well for any company. You know, you get two lots of income coming in. Um, for it as well so it definitely it definitely makes sense to do it that way I did enjoy it like I said it was something different but me being the the old school guy that I am um, with my wrestling I do like Wrestlemania just over the over the one night I do like two uh, weekend wrestling events like we've done in ICW loads of times where the Saturdays and night where we go and get steaming and then this this Sunday night is where we enjoy it well we still enjoy it but we sit there with pints of coke rather than pints of lager so <laughs> um, but it's you know it, it does have its advantage but for me being an old school wrestling fan I would say I would say um, one nighter for me mm. yeah like yeah, I mean, I, no, no disrespect Derek but obviously you know, no, some, not of the, at all. some of the greatest manias are like you know three hours long anyway like Wrestlemania 17 was three hours long and I'm not really sure why they have to go to the extent where they have to put on an eight-hour show just either to get everybody on the card or just because they want to throw as much as possible. But you can still have really good manias within the space of three hours. It's just a matter yeah. of you know how you tell stories and how you book matches. I Thank don't you. really mind. Sorry, on you go, Derek. No, on you go, Ross. On you go. Totally. I, I don't really mind. I can see both points. What I would say was, if you're going to if you're going to do WrestleMania one night, I do agree, Dave. It doesn't need to be this five, six, seven hour thing. But with WrestleMania, I think the pay-per-views during the year are around about three hours long. 
I think WrestleMania, you go, right, guys, you let people know it's going to be four hours. It starts at midnight, it ends at four. And see if you want to do the two-hour pre-show, then you can find a way to sort of squeeze people on with battle royals and maybe not lesser titles, but lesser title feuds in there. You know what I mean? I think I wouldn't mind a two-night thing or a four-night thing or, you know, a big nine-hour show if we lived in America, you know what I mean? But we're, mm-hmm. we're in the UK where it's that one, when we found out it was starting at 1am, I was absolutely furious. I was <laughs> like, no, no, I was getting till midnight. I'd be in my bed for three o'clock. This is not happening. Um, but it's just as well they didn't do one WrestleMania night this year because with that weather delay on night one, a uh, Mm-hmm. How long would that show have went? We'd have still been there at twelve in the afternoon. <laughs> I tell you what, if it was in Scotland, you know, the show probably wouldn't have started at all. <laughs> the weather just was on the first night. Um, obviously, I got two young. I got two young children, so sleeping is a rarity for me at the moment, um, as it is. So that's why I'm always usually first to fall asleep at um, at Gary's house when we're watching it. But when when I seen the weather and they said it was getting delayed, I was sitting there. Just like right, cool, but inside I was crying because of like <laughs> I'll I'll get home at five o'clock and my kids will be up at half past six. So I was I was ready for greeting when I when it got delayed because of the weather. Yeah, I think Scott was the same, uh, David, because obviously he did Saturday draft live at half eleven with uh, with you and Jack on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. We watched uh, SmackDown together live. Uh, and then he was out for the day, you know, he was out getting his hair cut and the barbers were open and then he had some work to get <laughs> some work to do and editing to do. And by the time WrestleMania started, he looked ready for his bed. So that I could just see the enthusiasm. Not since Mojo Rawley won the Battle Royal at WrestleMania 33. <laughs> have I seen enthusiasm for WrestleMania drain uh, from Scott's face quicker? Can you imagine what it'd been like if Gender had won that year as well? Ugh. Scott would have preferred that, I'm going to tell you that now. The hate that Scott has for Mojo Rawley is unrivaled. Fair enough. <laughs> um, so, Dave, I know, obviously, you posted on a community page mm-hmm. um, about people's best moments, worst moments, underrated moments, and what have you. I'll come to you in a wee minute, but I'm just going to run through the entire card for two nights. Uh, Bobby Lashley defeated Drew McIntyre in the WWE title match. Natalia and Tamina won women's tag team turmoil. Woo! Cesaro defeated Seth Rollins. <laughs> AJ Styles and Omos defeated the New Day for the Raw Tag Titles. Braun defeats Shane in the Steel Cage match. Bad Bunny and Damien Priest defeat Miz Morrison in the tag match. And Bianca Belair defeats Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's title. Night 2, Randy Orton defeats The Fiend. Nia and Shayna defend their titles against Natalia and Tamina. Kevin Owens defeats Sami Zayn with Logan Paul. Sheamus defeats Riddle for the United States title. Apollo defeats Big E in a Nigerian drum fight. Uh, Rhea Ripley defeats Asuka for the Raw Women's title. And Roman Reigns defeats Edge and Daniel Bryan in the main event of Night 2 for the Universal title. So, with all the results, sort of, I felt like the guy at the end of uh, uh, Sky Sports News on the Saturday, Montrose <laughs> won. <laughs> He's the, boring, the boring old results. <laughs> Um, so Dave, over to you with uh, what our listeners and other panellists have said. 
Yeah, so I did a post on the ESSR community page uh, where we asked everybody what they thought out of the two-night WrestleMania, what was the best match, what was the worst match, and if there are any underrated moments or hidden gems from over the weekend. Uh, firstly, thank you to everybody who contributed. We had a good mixture of uh, other members of the podcast and a few of our listeners as well. Uh, but I've done a quick tally of everybody who responded to our post and I'll, I'll start with the worst match off. You know, we'll start off with the bad and then end on a high with the good. So uh, now this was quite a, a good diverse mix of what people thought was the worst match. We had one vote each for Braun versus Shane in the steel cage and the women's tag title match. So each of those got one vote. Second place for the worst match with four votes was the tag team turmoil match. The second match of night one. But coming in from our poll with six votes, rated as the worst match of the weekend, goes to The Fiend versus Randy Orton. Now, there was a lot of hate for, for that one in particular. So I don't know, what do you guys think? Uh, Derek, did you, do you think that's, uh, that's justifiable? Um, I, I didn't mind the match. Um, I think people are pretty upset about how it ended, which is, which is justified because it was pretty. The match itself, sorry, how the match itself ended, not the whole storyline um, and what happened on the night, but I think the the quick the RKO and then one two three was a bit it was a bit crap, wasn't it? It was a bit of yeah, a duff ending, to be honest with you. However, the thing that had done it for me was it makes me that that wasn't my vote for the for the worst um, for the worst match of the of the weekend, and the reason for that was just the future storyline that comes from it with mm-hmm. um, with Alexa Bliss and the way that she's going to go with the Fiend. It looks very interesting. It looks something that hasn't been done. I loved Alexa Bliss coming out with the. With the with the black paint coming down, I had like old school Papa Shango. Um, I thought that was amazing. <laughs> um, absolutely loved that as well. And it's something different. My only concern with this is once this goes, is what happens to Alexa Bliss? You know, once the storyline dies out, you know, she's pretty much mm. nailed on to be this scary one from now on. But um, I can understand people's people's frustrations with it. Um, you know, it's been building up for a while. The match between the Fiend and Randy, Randy and it was a bit. Meh, how it ended, but I quite liked the way it's the, the storyline is going to be from from now on with it. Yeah, that that's what, that was my argument as well. Like everything was fine, you know, good entrance, not too bad match, uh, potential for future prospects, but that ending, you know, kind of just set the tone for the entire night. I mean, and I get why people would be upset at that, but that's not why I said it was the worst match. I also. Uh, didn't put this as my worst. I actually said the tag team turmoil was the worst because it just wasn't that appealing from start to finish. Uh, I didn't mind tag turmoil itself on night one. I didn't like the tag title match on night two. I think Nia and Shayna being built up as this dominating tag team for a while. And Natalia and Tamina have only... They've been a bit stop-start. It's the usual when you put two two veterans together as a tag team and it's all that, oh, you're a tag team now. They've been stop-start, couple of wins, couple of losses, but then I just I, I just really didn't care about the tag team. I don't like Tamina. She's been in the rest, she's been WWE for over 10 years. She's absolutely horrendous. Um, Natalia's good, but, you know, the character of I'm related to Bret Hart, it only goes so far unless you actually are Bret Hart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you know, I didn't I didn't believe that Nia and Shayna were ever going to lose the tag titles. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, wasn't the best match of the card, the tag title match, but it wasn't it wasn't the worst, I don't think. 
one of the things that one of the things that annoyed me about the the the, the, the tag match, uh, the the turmoil match was me being a big big tag team fan. I love my tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. There was only one. I would say proper tag team who were in that, which is the actual right squad. All the other ones are two are all singles competitors put together, um, mm-hmm. which which is one of the major bugbearers for me. If you're going to do tag teams, make them a tag team, you know, build them up as a tag team, have them a name and stuff like that. None of them had; they were all just like, you know, Naya and Shayna or you know Tamina and Natalia. And that, that that's one mm-hmm. of the things that really annoys it for me as well. That um, that, that that annoyed me um, during it as well. The match itself, I thought, was quite messy and disjointed as well. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy the match as well. It was, it was quite. I felt like it was quite rushed as well because they had to get through so many people. They had to get through so many teams as well. It was just, yeah, the match everything lasted, about it. The match lasted fourteen minutes fifteen seconds. Lana and Naomi were eliminated after two minutes twenty seconds, so it did feel a bit rushed. But see, towards the end, that's sort of when it picked up a bit. You know, Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose, and the Riot Squad were given a good, a good chunk of time towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Another another thing as well, see about that tag turmoil match. They have built this story up through Survivor series and even further back than that, of Lana being bullied against uh, Nia Jax. Then you've got the family element of her uh, Naomi, who's married to Nia Jax's cousin, uh, and Jay or Jimmy, so I can't remember what one is. Jimmy. Um, Jimmy. And, you know, the whole family element of, you know, we're not meant to be like this. We're meant to be, we're meant to be a dynasty in this business. Don't stop being a bully, you know. Mm-hmm. And then her taking Lana's side and then for them to get eliminated by the thrown together tag team from the week before, Billy Kay and Carmella. You know, Billy Kay's been great in the build up to this with the whole resume stuff and it's quite funny. But at the same time, to have Lana just thrown to the side after all this build up. And then after the funny build-up of Billy Kay and Carmella, they were eliminated next. So it was like, well, what's the point in investing in the storylines if the two built teams are are there? So obviously that was the, the worst match. People voted Fiend Randy Orton the worst match. Again, I, I agree with you guys. I don't, don't think it's the worst match because of the possibilities that could come out of it. However, ask me again next year mm-hmm. when we're building up to next year's WrestleMania where these guys are and where Alexa Bliss is how I felt about it then. I, I don't think this is a, oh God, well that's him done sort of thing. You know what I mean? Um, you asked about best ma- uh, best matches as well. Dave, can, we just, can we just say one thing about the, the tag turmoil match moment of the oh. night with oh, Mandy Rose falling? falling. Yep. <laughs> Titus O'Neill must be like, yes, yes. someone else has done it. Yeah. You know, so that it, was, it was her face was as yeah. well because you see her like she notices it straight away and it's lit- the worst thing is she's taking her sunglasses off at this point so you can see the fear in her eyes as her eyes go <laughs> wide her mouth does that oh and she just slides <laughs> back oh uh, there were memes for days afterwards I mean Titus I think came up after and said it's okay it happens to the best of us so it, 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 <laughs> they sort of right. made a joke they made a joke yeah. from it as well and I think Nia and Shayna even mocked it on the, the raw after as well so it's yeah it just goes to show they can make make um what's the what's the phrase is it um turning oh, chicken shit into chicken salad that's the one yeah that's, that's it, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, on the best matches Dave oh yeah best matches so uh Seamus and Riddle got one vote like 
personally, I think that match over delivered, but it wasn't well, it wasn't quite the best of the night. Three votes for Cesaro versus Seth Rollins, another cracking match, probably one of the better ones from night one. And second place, five votes goes to the Universal Title match, Edge, Bryan, and Roman. But just nipping it with six votes, Sasha and Bianca from night one is was voted best match of the weekend by our listeners. Uh, do you guys agree with that? Uh, Derek, I'll let you go on this one. Uh, yeah, that was my vote. The um, the the women's title match was my vote for the best match of the um, of the weekend. I thoroughly enjoyed the match, and there was um, the the thing that will live with me for a long time of that was the the whip of the hair oh. at the end. That oh. was so nasty, and it's, you heard it. And oh man, I think everybody that was watching it, me, me and Gary were sitting there watching it with Stephen, and it was like, oh, when you seen it, it was yeah. like everybody's. Feet, what just the face that you have to make? It's like one that of those was, ships. Was, one of those ships' fake cannons going off or something. Yeah, yeah. And you could. <laughs> um, it was. It, it was. It was a great match. It had for me. It had everything. You know, there was excitement in it. You didn't really. You, you sort of thought that Bianca. It was Bianca Belair's time. However, Sasha Banks has been sensational at holding the belt and stuff like that as well. And she's. Both of them have had. Have had their WrestleMania moments, which will live with them forever. I imagine as well. Mm. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match. Um, as well, I I liked it. Ross, what did you think of it? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you obviously talked about Bianca holding the title. Um, Bianca Banks being great at holding the title, and I think the WWE title match at the start of the night cast doubt on the entire weekend because yeah. I think we thought that was a surefire. Um, Drew's winning, and obviously Bobby Lashley retained. No problem with that because I do like the Lashley character, but. Yeah. I'd also like to say how wrong I was. I didn't think that this should have been evented because I thought Drew and Bobby had been the better story. Bianca and Sasha didn't have a lot to work with, not due to their fault, but they went out there and they absolutely killed it. They, they as you said, made the match with everything. It had counters, it had finisher kickouts and false finishes. We had, you know, the whip, that whip is that's going to be in WrestleMania moments packages to, oh, for yeah. years oh, to come. Yeah. The noise alone was just, it, it, I mean, it rivals one of Walter's chops. It's crazy. Yeah, and the, the slash on Sasha's stomach after it. Oh my um, God, it was wild. Gosh, yeah. It was absolutely, absolutely brutal and disgusting. Yeah. Can I just say as well, see... Australian Outback Rangers like they're trained to use whips in order to fend off snake attacks and if they whip hard enough they can actually decapitate a snake like that's so if if you've got somebody that knows how to use a whip properly you can seriously cause damage with it for more on David Hockney's bondage I will listen to you obviously there's other matches that were mentioned there we'll, we'll come back to them but Dave tell us about the the moments, the underrated moments, uh, mm. what did people have there? We'll discuss that, then we'll move on to just a wee bit of a free-for-all and mm-hmm. we can discuss our own personal moments that haven't really been mentioned. Yep. Uh, well, some of the moments that people were mentioning were, well, to start with a few funny ones, uh, Michael Cohen, Samoa Joe wearing ponchos during the, the rain. <laughs> that was a, that was that a was funny right watch. Yep. Uh, Billy Kay imitating Carmella during their entrance in the turmoil match. That was uh, mentioned by one person. Uh, the interaction between Matt Riddle, RVD, and the great Kali backstage. That was good. Yeah, like that. That was good. Some of the uh, other ones, you know, sort of revolving around the event itself. You had uh, Hogan 
getting booed from the crowd where they were cheering Titus. Like, I think they clearly don't forget, you know, Hogan's past behavior. So I think yeah. they were just making that abundantly clear. Um, one person said the Fiend's entrance was quite good, given how he sort of changed back to his old form. Yes. From the yeah, form that's amazing. Good. Yep. The off-the-cuff the off the off promos from the rain delay again. So we did get some good moments from the rain delay. Like these from the heart off-the-cuff promos really sort of felt a lot more genuine. Uh, now this this one, uh, someone agree. I, I agree with this person here. It was Sasha and Bianca almost bursting out greeting just as the match was starting. Like you could see Sasha held it together a little bit better as the heel character, but Bianca looked like she was about to like literally just burst out crying. It was because uh, it's... Mm-hmm. It just emphasized like how special that moment felt to be in the main event of WrestleMania. It was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. th- those that get those that got more than one vote actually. Uh, the bro kick to Riddle to finish the United States title match very wow. reminiscent of Adam Cole Ricochet. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one other thing as well. I'm surprised this didn't get the most votes. Bad Bunny's performance in the tag team match. Like some of the stuff he was pulling out was just outrageous. And I think the, yeah. the response to the Canadian destroyer on the outside to Morrison, Miz's reaction and Priest's reaction pretty much summed it up. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yep. Uh, but the one that got the most votes actually was with three votes was Logan Paul taking the stunner from Kevin Owens. <laughs> Logan Paul, by the way, um, and, you know, we talked about Bad Bunny immersing himself and not afraid to get in there and protect it. Logan Paul wasn't meant to be, like, at WrestleMania at all. There was no big plans for him. Sami Zayn tweeted him off the cuff and said, come see my film, not expecting, a like, a comment back. He responded. WWE went, all right, cool, get him in. You know, and then it just sort of steamrolled into him being at WrestleMania and... I know people weren't happy that he pushed Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's the heel obnoxious character, you know. Th- this character still got legs in it, you know. Everyone's against me, sort of thing. We'll call it he's, he's Celtic and the SFA character. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the fact that you, you knew Kevin Owens is playing the role of Stone Cold, he is the tweener. You knew a stunner was coming, and the fact that Logan Paul went, yeah. Stunned me on the main stage at WrestleMania. It wasn't a prima donna. He didn't come in with over, like, trying to p- pretend to be a wrestler. He took the stunner and he sold it like an absolute champ. Mm. Like, he had to be carried to the back. I thought that was amazing. I thought that was an absolutely amazing moment. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And somewhere in London, KSI will be laughing his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what one of the points was? Do you know what would be the moment of the, the weekend for me? And it was... It was something that I spotted. You know how at the start of the um, the start of the show when Vince came out and they 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 sang that they, they sang the national anthem and it was uh, Rhea Ripley standing there yeah. crying. That was one of the points for me. Um, that sort of that that was like I think that was my moment. You know, like it was sort of similar to the the Sasha and Bianca moment where the two of them were standing in the ring and crying like we're here. And she was yeah. she was the exact same. You know, I'm here. I'm at this main event, and obviously she was fighting the next night, but. She was still there taking it all in and enjoying it. And she was just, she must have been just bursting with pride during that as well. And that was that, that was pretty much one of the special points for me when I seen her mm-hmm. sort of welling up as well. Yeah. And yeah. just where she's came from as well over the time as well, you know, over the last few years and how she's developed her character um, and everything about her. I think she's, I think she's brilliant. 
Michael Cole's line on commentary just pretty much was the cherry on top for this moment where he basically emphasized this is, look at how far WWE's come. We've got two black women in the main event of WrestleMania fighting out for a world championship. Like when you say it out loud, you think, wow, like this is where we actually are. Like this is, this is progression. This is evolution at its finest. So we'll come away from the our listeners' matches moments and um, best and worst matches, sorry, and best and worst moments here just now, uh, and we'll we'll kind of get into a conversation about matches we haven't really touched upon. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of things or a couple of production notes that were were said about WrestleMania, according to I believe it's Dave Meltzer that said this. Um, according to sorry, Fightful, according to Fightful. The Fiend was set to win at WrestleMania up until Friday. It was supposed to write Randy Orton off for a while, but Vince and Bruce are said to be behind the change. They apparently see more a sort of Alexa Bray Wyatt style feud. They start seeing money in that. So rather than it would give Orton the win, he could move on. Someone else could write Orton off and get the benefit. And then Fiend and Alexa Bliss have their sort of thing, sort of written stone. So I think that's... I think that's quite smart, to be honest with you. The fact that if Orton is going to be written off TV, someone else is going to get the benefit here. And it's not just going to be wasted when, you know, there's going to be a fiend Alexa Bliss feud anyway. Also, apparently roaming going over was always the plan from the beginning of the Universal title feud. Uh, Mm. But Vince almost got cold feet, wanting to send the fans home happy and almost changed it to Edge pinning Brian. Ooh. But then they, I believe, I believe they sort of he was convinced to stick with Roman, so I believe there's going to be more coming up. And hey, I can't, I can't blame him. I love the the Roman Tribal Chief character, and another character I love is the Almighty Derek. <laughs> you know, WrestleMania. We, you you hosted the best opening matches of WrestleMania show. Uh, I think in a couple of years we could maybe add this to the list. Yeah, definitely. It was. It was a pretty awesome. It was a pretty awesome match. I did everything I think in terms of it, and it, the massive surprise at the end as well. Um, from it as well, I think most people thought that that our fellow countryman Drew would have took home the title um, after getting properly getting his WrestleMania moment, and it, it pretty much shocked shocked most people as well. But I'm quite happy. Um, I, I'd love to see Drew winning it and having his moment, but Drew will have his WrestleMania moment again. Um, it doesn't need yeah. to be this year. It doesn't need to be next year. He will have it. You know, the man's got um, loads and so much talent in terms of the wrestling ring as well and what he can, what he can do with himself. Um, however, I'm happy to see Lashley and I'm happy to see what the development with him as well. I think he deserves a run with the title as well rather than just a stopgap until Drew got it back again as well. In terms of the match, I mean, it had, it had a lot. I mean, it had physical hard-hitting. The two of them were going at it um, as well. It was it was it was great the way that the way that it was set up, and then the bit at the end where um, Drew got pinned as well. I think shocked a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Dave Bobby Lashley. Oh, sorry, he didn't get pinned. He didn't get pinned. No, he's, uh, he he t- out. Sorry, he did. He no, no, it was a technical submission. No, <laughs> I was going to be But yeah, it was, and it was you know Dave. Bobby Lashley is this old school heel beat him up champion, mm-hmm. sort of reminiscent to I don't know, maybe a, 
a heel Hulk Hogan. No, no, mm-hmm. no. No, nah, he's better than that. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of a an example for Bobby Lashley. What about uh, Ted, Ted DiBiase? No, Maybe. no, he's no. not that. No, no, because Ted DiBiase was conniving and cunning and uh, found I... a way to win without doing much. Bobby Lashley will knock you in your ass and throw you about. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, he is an old school style heel. He's got the belt. He's he's his most interesting point, I think, since his WWE return. And a lot of that goes down to MVP. I think MVP deserves mm-hmm. an enormous amount of credit for what he's done for Bobby Lashley in the past year. Yeah, without no, without a shadow of a doubt, like the MVP Bobby Lashley, the heart business has been one of the best things about Monday Night Raw of the last year. And given how badly Lashley was used in the in the first few years after his return, this completely un, undoes all that. You know, he goes into WrestleMania as the WWE champion, which was thoroughly earned even all the way back as, you know, his first run. But one thing that stood out for me the most about this match was that Drew actually got the honor to be the first superstar to make his entrance in front of a live crowd in over a year, which is, yeah. and you could see it in his face. You know, he was so, so hyped, even in the, the post-match, inter- the pre-match interview during the rain, that he was he was hyped. He tried to hold it together. He was fluffing his lines half the time. And when he did the 3-2-1 with the sword, that was the moment, you know, right, this is it. This is this is our time to, to shine. But would you believe me if I said this match was actually the, the longest match of night one? The opening match was the longest. Yeah, I think it got just under 20 minutes, 18, 20. I'm looking at yep. the time here. Bianca, Bianca and Sasha a minute less, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, to be honest, I think everything in there, everything that was meant to be in there was in there. Like, you know, I and I thought as well, in under 20 minutes, it was Mick Foley that put, in 2021, the face has passed out to a technical submission and a full Nelson. What is going on? You know, <laughs> it was such a shocker. And I think as well, you know, that 1am start, that extra hour kills us UK fans, but that big, oh my God. Yeah, that, 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 that wakes right you up, up yeah. We I talked about... Inter- um, oh, sorry, sorry, the interesting thing about it, um, Ross, was the fact, like you mentioned, that even though I, I did sell him, saying that he, he didn't get pinned, he didn't get pinned, obviously he, um, he, he, he passed out from it. That's quite interesting to see what they do with that now, because obviously Drew didn't, Drew didn't get pinned there, so it's going to be interesting to see what storyline and what develops from there as well. Um, as well, I think that was quite. It was it was quite um, interesting to see that he didn't get pinned, um, and it was quite inept that he didn't get pinned either. But I'm interested to see what happens with that. Definitely. Yeah, um, we talked about obviously we thought Drew was going to get his WrestleMania moment. Someone who did get his WrestleMania moment in a good sort of middle of the card ten minute match was Cesaro. Really good match, really good back and forward match, and. It just goes to show, once again, David, Seth Rollins is absolutely the man. You know, mm. his WrestleMania matches always deliver. Always, yeah. And it goes to show, you know, he's just as, just as big as a professional as Cesaro is. Like, he knew... I think, I, I think there was an element of Rollins that knew, right, okay, Cesaro's on a huge run of momentum right now. Let's give him a little bit of a booster. Because Seth Rollins is still one of the most accomplished guys they've got on the roster. What better way to sort of give Cesaro that extra oomph that he needs to maybe even get him into the universal title scene finally after so long than to get a victory over Rollins. And it wasn't like a very, 
sort of squash style match. It was it was a good solid back and forth match, much like um, much like Sheamus and Riddle, and even Sasha and Bianca as well. Like all these matches were carried out so so well. Like Cesaro got to show off the swing and stuff. There was a few moments with the the uppercuts and a quick neutralizer at one point. You know, you thought that was it. He's going to get a shock win as a result of that. But um, yeah, we've said before, like on our glitchy life uh, preview show, that um, Cesaro's push has been very stop start throughout. But he needed a, a definitive singles win at WrestleMania, and he delivered just that. So. Oh, yeah. more power to him and I hope he gets uh, that push to be continued on Smackdown yeah do you think this is a, a sort of breakout moment for Cesaro Derek do you think there's going to be a push here or do you think it's going to be contained just to the one Wrestlemania moment sort of thing I would I would definitely like to see him get pushed I think he deserves it more than more than anybody in the um, in, in the in the WWE at the moment as well um, I would love to see him going on and maybe like, like Dave said going for the um, um, one of the one of the belts, whether the inter or you know the intercontinental, or else even pushing for the heavy, he could definitely push for um, the universal, the the heavyweight championship as well. He could definitely push for one of them. The match, um, thoroughly enjoyed this match. Actually, it was two two great wrestlers going together. What can you not? What can you not enjoy about a Seth Rollins Cesaro match? You know, it had everything. The yeah. the swing. What was it? What it, it was like twenty three or 24 23, rounds yeah. of, 23 rounds he got yeah. of them, which is. Amazing, <laughs> you know, it was it was one of those moments as well, and I'm I'm so happy for him to get his to get his moment, but I do want them to, I do want them to push him now and go further on with it, definitely. Yeah, uh, we touched on um, Bad Bunny making his debut in the tag team match with Damian Priest against Miz and Morrison. Someone else who made his debut in a tag team match and won the tag titles was Big Omos, the Coloss, uh, <laughs> teaming with the phenomenal AJ Styles against the New Day. Derek, what did you make of this? This debut for Omos. It's pretty devastating, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was. It was interesting <laughs> to see him um, coming in. Obviously, he's been like the the again. It's the bodyguard story as well, which they could, they could end up going with this as well. But he's come in and um, what a guy he, he, he go under in AJ Styles as well. It was and he was, you know, he was devastating. I mean, do you see the size of the man when AJ Styles was on his shoulders? I mean, AJ Styles looked yeah. like a wee kid. You know, it's, it's like me putting my daughter on my shoulders. That's what it looked like. You know, it was, it was, it was unreal. Um, I'm really interested to see where they go with this because, you know, I can't see anybody beating him because he's just such a big, strong, powerful guy. You know, it was, it was, I mean, even even the way that they, they pinned Kofi, you know, with the one, the one foot mm. on him and stuff for that as well. It's, it's a, mm. uh, it's going to be interesting and I'm really excited to see where they go with this one. Yeah, absolutely. And David, uh, we talked about quick counters and quick out-of-nowhere moves and uh, and the Cesaro-Seth uh, Rollins match. The phenomenal forearm off of the ropes and then off of the shoulders of Omos mm-hmm. came out of nowhere. Like the, the size of Omos actually hid AJ Styles until he was on his shoulders. Yeah, that was a really, a really good... Uh, sort of tag team style move that, as you said, you know, it was a, a an out of nowhere type move. It took Woods out of the match and then it just left Omos and Kofi in the ring. But I mean, I wasn't too sure what to expect from Omos at first. Like um, maybe something similar to when Great Khali first arrived in 
in WWE, you know, he was mainly a, a striker, a powerhouse. Uh, because we weren't going to, ex- I wasn't expecting a technical masterclass from Omos, but he's he sort of embodies now this what Kali I think was meant to be. Mm-hmm. You know, just this really massive competitor. Like it doesn't matter how hard you hit him, he is not. You're not going to knock him over, and he could take people out. You know, with with just one hand if he wanted, and he's put his foot on him like just to establish his yeah. dominance as well. But one thing I actually didn't know about Omos until after the event was. Um, He's also Nigerian, and I think it was BT Sport highlighted how there's a lot of Nigerian-born athletes that have now taken over not just WWE, but UFC mm-hmm. as well, and Omos was listed on that list. So there's a nice, um, that's a nice little fact tidbit yeah, for you. Uh, just on the Cali thing, Cali was a massive guy. This Omos is actually an athlete, though that's the thing. He's a former, former basketball player, so we're hoping for... That he's a bit better than Cali. We're not expecting, you know, <laughs> Hurricane Ranas, but we are expecting him to uh, be able to walk. Um, he might be like he might be like how Shaq is doing on AEW at the minute. Maybe. Uh, so we'll, we'll skip by the Braun Shane McMahon match. I believe we all agree Braun winning was the right decision, and it maybe should have been about five minutes shorter. You know, it should have just been Braun beating the hell out of Shane, and that was maybe it. So. Uh, we discussed Bad Bunny and Priest against Miz and Morrison. Fair play to Bad Bunny. Went in there, uh, took his lumps and put in a good WrestleMania performance. And we've obviously touched on Bianca and Sasha Banks. Orton and The Fiend we've touched on. Tag Team Turmoil we've touched on. Women's Tag Titles. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, we touched on the Logan Paul stunner, uh, Dave. But the match itself, uh, only got nine minutes and 20 seconds on the card. But... These guys, they always deliver, and it felt, as Scott said in the preview, because they've been kept apart for so long, it felt fresh. It felt new again. It wasn't this. They were meant to end a battleground, but let's have them fight nine more times on Raw. <laughs> yeah, it was a, this was a weird one for me because, you know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are two guys who you know can put on a bar burner of a classic, but I think given the the nature of the weekend, how it was sort of wedged into night two in a very sort of awkward position. It was third match of night two. And there was so much, so much good stuff that happened on night one. You think there was no way that anything on night two is going to top it, except maybe the universal title match. And yeah, I, I think, see, that's the problem. We're always talking about the Logan Paul stunner afterwards now, not really as much about the match itself. But if you took Logan Paul out the equation and you just focused on the in-ring action, what we got, it was actually pretty decent. But I think I always think back to their clash at Battleground 2016 because there was a lot more storytelling behind it and they were both still relatively new to Monday Night Raw. So this, I think this was a good um, a good wrestling match overall, but it was put in an awkward position. Yeah, a middle of the card, night to on what is a massive week of wrestling, Derek, is always a, a hard place to go. But I think, you know, the match delivered the Logan Paul stuff, I think, added to it. The stunner, um, Sammy's still this sort of crazy Charlie Day from All Sunny in Philadelphia style character. And, yeah, I'd, I think there's more to go here. And I did like the callbacks to their previous matches with the sort of halluva kick, catching them, going to do it again sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the good thing about this match is usually you say that WrestleMania is a lot where rivalries get sorted and ended 
Whereas yeah. this can this can still go on. You know, the Sami Zayn character that he's got the now will will continue, and I'm quite happy with that because I think it's I think it's uh, he, he does really well with the character as well. The match itself, I thought it was I thought it was a good match. It kept me entertained. Usually at this point in the night, I'm usually nodding away and nearly sleeping, but um, no, <laughs> it, it kept me it kept me thoroughly entertained. These two guys, you know, it's 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 quite similar in terms of the. Cesaro um, Rollins match where these two guys put put these two together and it's a great match. You know the chemistry is ever it's yeah. just there for everybody to see um, as well. And I, I I did enjoy it. And I did keep me entertained as well without the the stun at the end, which was great. And you know Logan Paul sold it brilliantly um, as well. But I did I did enjoy the match um, as well. And I don't think any of these guys could do any wrong putting them together. And I do like the fact that, like I said, the story the story can continue from here and like most WrestleMania matches where the story dies that night. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Apollo Crews defeating Big E in the Nigerian drum fight. Uh, mm. Babatunde or Dabakato or... I, I don't know what he's going to be renamed now that he's with Apollo. Colonel Aziz, I think is what he's Colonel Aziz, Jesus Christ. They've went yeah. full on... They've went full on... Uh, was it Colonel Mustafa that renamed the Iron Sheik, Derek? Yes, Yes, Colonel, proper Colonel Mustafa, Sergeant Slaughter year of names there. So, um, Big E got the big entrance, big WrestleMania entrance with um, Wally singing his entrance theme. Apollo Crews, it's a weird one here. I actually thought about this the other day. Apollo Crews wrestled at WrestleMania 33, 34 and 35 in the Battle Royal. So this is actually his fourth WrestleMania, but it's his first time he's been a proper, proper feud. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes going forward. But we do have three other matches to talk about before we finish up in the next five or so minutes. So I'm just going to put that one to the side. Sheamus and Riddle, we touched on what an ending. What a, and, it, and when you watch the replay back, it's not a broke kick; it's a knee to the lip. You know, you saw Riddle's mouth after it. I think that made it even mm-hmm. even more brutal. It was absolutely amazing. I thought that finish. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was another spot where I think Sheamus was going to do a white noise from the top rope, but he ended up slipping. So, I mean, that was the only blemish on this match. But personally, this is a this was a very underrated match from the whole weekend. Like, these two over-delivered in every way possible. Yeah, sometimes, Derek. Sorry, you go. The thing about that David mentioned there was um, Sheamus slipping. The fact that he still managed to hold Riddle and keep him safe during yes. that, he could have easily you know, dropped him and there could have been all sorts of trouble there. So the fact that he, you know, he fell and managed to keep him up, fair play to him. That's all I was going to say in that bit. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed this match again. I thought it was it was really good. I was very surprised. I didn't really have much expectations going into the match about what it would deliver. Um, but it did it did surprise me um, as well. And that, like, like you said, the, the knee to the face, you would call it, not the bro kick. It was in proper knee to the face. It was just, oh, one of, one of those moments. Yes, it was an old school Archie McPherson moment. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, Seamus as well. We talk about Brock Lesnar always having his best match against smaller guys like AJ, Finn Balor, uh, Daniel Bryan. Seamus, when he gets in there with someone who he can knock lumps out of, a big show, a Drew McIntyre, a riddle, you know, he'll take one punch, sorry, two punches to land one. And obviously, we've seen his feud with Big E as well. That was a really good feud. 
So I'm looking forward to see where they go from here. I'd really like to see a Seamus Braun Strowman feud where just two lads knocking yeah. lumps at each other, I think. I think that could be cracking. Uh, but from two lads knocking lumps at each other to two ladies knocking lumps out of each other, Rhea Ripley and Asuka, uh, Dave, the Raw women's title scene has underwent so many changes. <laughs> it was meant to be Lacey and Charlotte, then it was meant to be Charlotte and Asuka, and then it was Asuka and Ripley, but we got Ripley and Asuka, and I don't think anyone was disappointed. I think maybe just disappointed they didn't get as long as we would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the these two certainly did deliver from an in-ring, or certainly did deliver from an in-ring perspective. I think what harmed this match was just the lack of build for, as you mentioned, you know, the ever-changing uh, situation with the Raw Women's Title, like Lacey Evans going off with maternity leave, Charlotte, you know off WrestleMania for reasons beyond her control. You know, first there was a COVID diagnosis, then there was a, a misdiagnosis with possible pregnancy on her part. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think Rhea and Asuka had enough build to this match to really sort of hammer it home as one of the the most talked about matches of the, of the entire night. I'm really glad they pulled the trigger with Rhea Ripley though, because, you know, she had an outstanding performance at the Royal Rumble. She's been one of the best NXT competitors for the last few years. And I think it sort of knocks Asuka down a peg as well, having had one of the most dominant Raw women's title runs of the past year. So, and I think the the NXT uh, the NXT show this week sort of exemplified like how far both like her, Bianca, and Raquel have all come within the last the last year. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, with all these changes and the fact that Rhea Ripley's not been on Raw too long Derek it does create a sort of oh my who's this sort of thing because she's came in straight away and she's done what no one else has been able to do which is take the title from Asuka yeah I think the the match itself was technically like I said I, I thought that I agree with Dave it was technically strong um, the only thing that, that hurt it was the lack of storytelling with it as well but it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with uh, Rhea Ripley now because like, like you mentioned she's came in um, from NXT into Raw now, and she's she's got her she's got her hand on the on the gold, and now it's going to be interesting to see how they work this angle and how she's going to how she's going to go from here. You know, she's young, she's exciting, she's strong, she's quick, she's got she's got everything going for her. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with her. I tell you one thing, and I know a lot of people maybe listening in would would groan at the fact that. I'm going to put Charlotte Flair in another women's main event, you know, because I think a lot of people are annoyed that she's in these main events at the expense of other women. But when you're that good a wrestler, you know, I mean, nobody complained in the 80s about Hogan because Hogan was the best guy. And, you know, John Cena got a bit of moaning, but, you know, because he could deliver every night. Um, I would like to see Rhea maybe hold this title for a year, get to WrestleMania next year and have Charlotte say, well, hold on a minute. You came up you know, not once to this effect, obviously her promo will be better, but basically you came up, Billy Big Bollocks, uh, with your NXT title. I took that for you. I missed WrestleMania last year. You snuck in and stole my place. We're going to fight for this women's title this year. I'd, I'd like that feud. And I think Rhea Ripley could have a proper, the journey of the three WrestleManias to losing to Charlotte, beating Asuka and then beating Charlotte in the third WrestleMania, I think that could be a really good story to tell. Mm-hmm. But possibly the best story on the card and in the lead-up to WrestleMania was the main event of night two. Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, 
edge the Royal Rumble winner and Daniel Bryan, who snuck his way in absolutely expertly, <laughs> amazingly, honestly. If if Daniel Bryan got free tickets out of this, we would have been calling him Stephen Wilson because they found a way to sneak in. <laughs> and I thought, guys, this match, I believe, was the longest match of the weekend, 21 yep. minutes, 40 seconds. And every single second, Derek, I feel delivered. I think you're right. The, the good thing about this match was it gave all three wrestlers their chance to shine on it as well, which I, which I, which I thoroughly enjoyed. You know, those parts on it where they were all dominating as well. Um, Daniel Bryan, I don't know how he does it, but hats off to him, man. He manages to get in there. Um, and he, he puts on a good show as well. He puts, talking about the match itself. I think most people were... Most people were maybe expecting Edge to Edge to win it. However, with you know, with everything that happened in the the you know the the, the Drew Lasley match, it was all up and I, I thought it was all up in there. I thought I thought Edge would have had his would have had his moment again of being the champion. However, I do like the fact that um Reigns won again and then this is going to be I like I like the storyline with, with Reigns as well. He's so much better as a heel than a face. Um, as well so um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match as well even the way the pin went as well that, that was quite interesting you know the two of them on top of each other as well I seen a thing on um, was it on Twitter that they were saying that technically because Brian was was pinned and um, Edge was on top of him technically Edge should have won the match because it was like Edge was pinning him <laughs> so that was quite that was quite interesting but yeah I, I thoroughly enjoyed it um, and I'm looking forward. I'm I'm interested to see what they do with Edge now, um, yes. as well. I'm really interested to see if he if he continues on and keeps doing what he keeps keeps um, doing what he does, um, and what he's been doing over the last few months as well. So I'm interested to see what they do with him as well, and I'm really interested to see, um, you know, Roman Reigns is still being the the big dog and what he's and what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And David, it's it's very rare you know, we've had. Fatal four-way matches at WrestleMania for the world title. We've had triple threats. Mm-hmm. You know, you very rarely come into a multi-man match like this and a case can be made for all three possibly winning. You know, I know we talked about the plan from Vince's side was that Roman was always going to win. But the way they presented this, you thought all three guys had a chance here. You know, mm-hmm. Roman being Roman, there was the chance Edge being the Royal Rumble winner and it being 10 years to the day that he gave up his world title and Daniel Bryan sneaking his way in at the last minute you know you thought there was a case for all three to be made there yeah definitely and I can honestly say that I think this is probably one of the best main events I've seen since WrestleMania 30 which also involved Daniel Bryan but all three of these guys did their part. Everybody got a chance to shine. Nobody looked out of place. Like Edge doing the execution to Jey Uso on the stairs. Like hell of a brutal spot quite early in the match. Uh, Roman using Jey as a sort of like a additional pair of hands. Then the the double sort of cross face yes lock. Like I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how are they maybe are they going to do like a, a controversial finish in some fashion or not? But. I, what really shocked me about this match was that they actually, they, the use of the concertos, they did it twice. Each guy who's recovered from neck surgery, each taking one. And I'm 
I'm amazed that they got away with that, given that chair shots to the head are, are banned in WWE. So how they were able to pull that off without, you know, getting fined afterwards, well, alleged, well, hopefully not, but being able to get away with that, I think it's a testament to how professional and how safe these guys are to deliver a solid main event. And going to Derek's point about the double pin, I would argue that because even though Edge was on top of Brian, his shoulders were also on the mat. And in that instance, it usually is ruled as a double pinfall. But yeah. Roman was clearly on top of both guys and he was the one in control. So that's that's sort of my argument to say there's not really a case for, for controversy here. But if anything, it just establishes Roman Reigns even further as you know the best heel, the head of the table, the big dog, whatever you want to call him. And I hope this head of the table gimmick continues for as long as possible because I'm just hooked on it now. Yeah, um, trying to think who maybe will take the title from him. I'm thinking now that Big E's done with the IC title. A couple of months down the line, we could see Big E versus Roman, maybe at SummerSlam. The game for that, along with a Daniel Bryan Edge feud. So, and also just to round us off here, a nice wee start that I've seen online. It was night one was main evented by two women, two African-American women, sorry, uh, in the main event of WrestleMania for the first time. Night two was main evented by Roman Reigns, who's beat cancer twice, and Daniel Bryan and Edge, who were told they would never wrestle again. So I think that's mm-hmm. it's two really, one historically significant on night one, and on night two, just a really nice story of people that have beat the odds to be in the WrestleMania main event. So I thought that was quite a nice note to end us on there, guys. Um, Thank you very much for listening to our wrestling special here on ESSR Central. Thank you very much to David Hockney and Derek Kernan for joining me. Thank you very much. No worries, mate. Nice to speak to you. Uh, just remember the usual guys at Suplex Retweet, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, our Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community group on Facebook. You can get involved and you can have your opinion read out in the show. And of course, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. Massive back catalogue there, including our past centrals, our feature shows, our interviews, our reviews, our previews. You name it, it's there. Check us out there, and we'll see you again next time. Bye for now. Hello, I am Jack Graham. I am Scott McLeod. And I'm David Hockney. And you can catch us most in one of the greatest shows in the history of podcasts, Saturday Draft Live. You can tune in every Saturday to find out who on the ESSR has the best chance of winning the current season of our fantasy draft. As always, you can catch Saturday Draft Live on all good podcasting platforms. Sports Social Podcast Network.